Welcome to The Pulse on Akaville Radio, hosted by Rachel Schoenbaum. Welcome to another episode of The Pulse. I am your host, Rachel Schoenbaum, and I have with me today a prolific and award-winning singer, composer, arranger, actor, teacher, music director, and conductor, the infamous Mr. Tim. Welcome, Mr. Tim. How are you doing today? I am infamous. Infamous, yes. Infamous, Uh, in fact. Infamous. (laughs) Yeah. That's better than famous. It's a lot Uh, better. I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. So for folks who aren't as aware of you, I wonder if we could just start off with how you got involved in acapella and what your background and history with acapella is. Sure, yeah. The short version or long version? Let's start short Medium and go version, <laughs> Start short. Music was around since I was tiny, both sides of the family, mom's side and dad's side, both to the degree that we would, like on my dad's side, his brother and his sons would sing barbershop tags at family parties. Oh, wow. And on the other side, my mom's family would gather every December and every April and sing the Messiah or another oratorio together as a family. And I grew up in Utah, very large Mormon families. So when we talk about the family gathering to sing the Messiah, we are talking about legitimately 60 to 70 singers (laughs) packed into grandma's parlor. Wow. Uh, Grandma was an organist. She had an organ and a piano there in the parlor. So music was always around and then getting into middle school, high school age. The older brothers and sister did music. So I just did music, played in the band, did choirs, musicals and things. The acapella side came from, I had a a realization, in fact, just the other day that Goodnight Sweetheart from Three Men and a Baby was, I have memories of being on the playground in what would have been late elementary school at that point, singing that song because we all thought it was so funny. Oh, Tom Selleck and Steve Gutenberg and (laughs) Dead Dance and sing this song. So we're going to sit around and we're going to sing this song. Shortly after that, I had a a group of cousins who sang in a high school acapella group that I heard them at a concert and I thought they were super cool. And BYU Vocal Point started right about that time. And I was at several of their very first performances. But I think all of us were, it was that same kind of influences that we were all getting. But I owe it all to Three Men and a Baby. I think that's the, yeah. So saw groups, thought it was cool, was singing in high school choir, got some friends together. We sang. In college, I ended up rooming next door to one of the guys that I had sung in one of these high school groups. And as college went along, I was always obsessively creating extracurricular groups that I was in the marching band and in the band and taking lessons and voice lessons and music classes and everything. But I still somehow had to be creating my own little groups that were doing things. And one of those became Moose Butter, where a couple of guys that I knew from college, we got together, we did some things. I knew I wanted to sing acapella. It became Moose Butter. The early stuff from Moose Butter all came from there. And that trend continued. I graduated, performed with Moose Butter a little while, went off to grad school, studied choral conducting in Boulder, Colorado, and was still performing with Moose Butter. I was driving back from Colorado to do shows every other week or so. And it seems ludicrous now to do that. And that's actually where I learned how to beatbox is when I was driving back and forth from Utah to Colorado to keep myself awake 
I would beatbox. Up to then, I thought it was a dumb little party trick. And I started doing it to keep myself awake. And once I got relatively decent at it, I thought, oh, okay, I can see. I can see how this be functional. But in grad school, I continued with that group, still was starting other groups, doing other projects. And so that's, that's the, the beginnings. That's the genesis of where all of that came from. The more creative side of that was I was always seeing these groups, seeing Vocal Point. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was another group. There's a group from Colorado called 17th Avenue All-Stars, yeah. who they went on a tour and they visited my high school my junior year of high school. And that was really, I had seen other groups, but they showed up and I imagine one of them said, yeah, you guys could do this too. And so me and my friends said, oh, okay, I guess we can do this too. And that's where we started just creating and, and doing stuff. But there's always been this urge and impulse for me to create mm. stuff. And it's always a, of a certain kind of stuff that I don't like the idea of doing something that other people are doing. I have a very contrarian streak, but I also have a very progressive streak and that if if there's something cutting edge or new, I want to get my fingers into it. In terms of the arts, not in terms of Broader technology. Life, maybe? Well, definitely technology. This is only the second Zoom call that I have done Wait. the whole pandemic. Wow. Yeah, it's just amazing. I don't know how you got away with that. I did somehow. Lucky. Yeah. Always had this contrarian streak and, and this idea to do things different. So even when I was watching other groups, I was always thinking, well, yeah, but if it was me, I would do this. Or, or they do this one thing that's really great, but they only do it once in the show. What if we did a whole show mm. that was like that? What if we did, you know, I'd hear, started attending the summits, East Coast, West Coast, acapella summits, Harmony Sweepstakes. I would just go to see what was going on. And, you know, I'd say, well, there's a group that kind of did something that sounded legitimately rock and roll. Why don't we do something that is just rock and roll all the time? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you parlayed that into this really creative outlet, right? That you're sort of working in now, right? The the way that you do your music now as a solo live looper. I, I guess it's. I guess you would call it that, even though it's you, you lay down all the parts, you do everything yourself. Did that stem from this desire to to be maybe a little bit different, like to try and do it all yourself? Yes, definitely. You know, there are conflicts within any performing group. There are different personalities, there's preferences, there's ideas and things. And there were days when I would come back from a performance or from a rehearsal and say to my wife, I wish I had a group that was four of me, Mm. which is a a, a horribly selfish and (laughs) self-centered view of the world. But, you know, on on those days where I was working with somebody who wasn't as skilled and I would go, I hate taking time to teach them the parts. But also when you're dealing with anything that is out of the ordinary, you know, it's easy enough to say, here's a thing that exists. Let's imitate that. Right. But when you're doing something different, it can be really difficult to explain and convince people to go along, including with Moose Butter. There were times we had a great amount of success and I would bring in a new song and somebody would say, well, yeah, but I don't, I don't really see how that's funny. And I would think, I mean, you're not even going to give me the benefit of the doubt here. (laughs) Like for all the, all the things that we've had that worked, you're not even going to try this. And so Mm -hmm. there was definitely that side of like, man, wouldn't it be nice if I didn't have to convince people. But there there was also the side of that, all of that impulse, bless you. Thank you. (laughs) 
the impulse to to perform and to create when you're just dealing with people's schedules and time. And part of the reason Moose Butter was very successful for what we did is we were in that younger age demographic where we could spend tons of time. We could rehearse three times a week and perform three times a week and somebody would call up and say, hey, they're doing this event at the bookstore and they want us to come sing for 20 minutes. And we'd go, great. And everybody would drop whatever we were doing and we would show up. You can do that. But once you go on and people have lives and they have other commitments and they have, there would be things that came up that I really, really, really wanted to do. Mm. And everyone else was saying, well, but they don't want to pay us, which is true. And it's totally legitimate concern. Yeah. And I had seen Andrew Chaikin, Kid Beyond, looping. And it really was oh, that looks cool. I would love to see what I could do with that. And started playing around with looping, started trying things out. And then that those things started coming up where we need somebody to come do 15 minutes. And oh, I can't get the guys to do it because, yeah. you know, your budget is three donuts and a <laughs> Twizzler. But I'll come do it. But also the drive of I just wanted to be performing all the time. Yeah. And they were like, no, so much. It's too much. Just, you know, just do the real big high paying ones. And yeah. So that drive of wanting to be on stage all the time, that was how I got into looping. And then there was the just the reality of there were lots of potential gigs that I could do that way that the whole group wouldn't be able to afford. The group eventually kind of fizzled out. And there was also the the creative side of this is now puzzle. Mm. This is a an an intellectual pursuit as much as a an artistic one that there are such stringent limitations on what you can do because you can lay something down and it'll be repeated and you can't change that. Or if you can, how can you? And if you can, do you want to? And how can you create songs that work as songs that are within all of these limitations? So it's an artistic, it is very much an intellectual joy to work on looping as as a way to perform. Yeah. Well, let's take a listen to an example of what this sound, how it comes together. We're going to take a listen to New Life, the ballad of Mr. Doomsie. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that tune and what was the inspiration behind it before we take a listen. So this, for the three songs that I think we're going to listen to, they are all songs that I can perform live. I do perform live in my looping shows. Used to perform live. It's been a while. I haven't done a lot of live shows recently. Uh, that but th- there, <laughs> there, there are obvious differences between a studio recorded version and what I would be able to do live. Some of the sounds are a little bit different. I thicken things out. I'll add extra harmonies and pads and things. But this one in particular is pretty close to what I do with it live. And the idea of the song, the form, the basic sounds came out of one of those days when I was in the garage prepping for a show or working on material and just messing around with the looper and with the effects pedal and with the different things. And the basic idea of the song came. And an advantage of looping is you can record something and then it just repeats and repeats and repeats, which means you can try stuff on top of it. And you can, what if I did this? What if I did this? What if I... And but this one was a good concept of a framework of a song. And then in terms of genesis of a lot of the songs that I come up with, there is a weird element to it, which is the way my brain works. <laughs> so it it definitely got a little goofy pretty quickly. I love it. In a, yeah. That's awesome. Well, let's take a listen to New Life, The Ballad of Mr. Doomsie. Here is Mr. Tim's version. Hold up, hold up there past me. 
we don't have a license to play music on this podcast. So if you want to hear this interview uninterrupted, including all the fantastic music that's involved, go to Akaville.org and become a member. Thanks. And now we return you to our regularly scheduled interview. That was so like scientific and and like this, it had these elements of like these love angles to it too, which I enjoyed. So in addition to obviously the sounds, right? But like the lyrics were really fun in that way. So that was awesome. The things that my wife likes about the songs that I do is she sees most of my stuff as biographical sketches that so many of the songs that I write are about a very specific person with a very specific viewpoint. Mm. And they are very often unknowing idiots, <laughs> that they are people who they are the heroes of their own story. But we know this mad scientist, whoever is, is insane. There is nothing socially acceptable about this character. But those kinds of characters make the most interesting characters to explore. I mean, actors love playing those kinds of characters. And people like writing songs about him, plays about him. So so yes, and the particularly with, with the limitations with fewer song lyrics, mm. you can really put in all kinds of nuanced exaggeration. You can play to the hilt the fact that this is a completely untrustworthy narrator, that their worldview, but we know that. And that's the fun of it is we yes. go, this guy is insane and isn't it wacky how insane he is? Yeah. Yeah. It reminded me in that way a little bit of Skull Crusher Mountain by Jonathan Colton. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but he also has a yeah. Mad yeah, scientist yeah, yeah. kind mm-hmm. of bent. Yeah. Jo- Jonathan Colton, once I started writing a lot of my own songs, he's one of those. He's a very big influence because he is so good at nailing a very specific viewpoint of some character that we can tell is fatally flawed. Oh, absolutely. But in, in a wonderful, I mean, sometimes in a terrifying way, but it's usually, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, I think I, I, I see that influence in your work. So you mentioned not having very many Zoom calls. And I wonder how you've been, I imagine you'd be spending a lot of this time where you can't do your live shows recording. And you've been putting out a lot of music. And I wonder, has that been refreshing for you? Has it been challenging? What has it been like? It's been delightful. Mm. We actually... My family, we ended up selling our home in June and moving. And so the first part of the pandemic was kind of just dealing with life like everybody else was. And then moving and it wasn't, I mean, I recorded a bunch of stuff last spring and then I didn't really get back to it until January because mm. we were just kind of coping and dealing and doing stuff. A lot of time with the family, which was great. But it has been now, finally, that I've kind of got into a groove. It has been delightful because I have been able to get to tons of songs Mm. that I have been working on for years, that have been in the pocket for years, that I have a a huge list, probably 50 more songs that are queued up that I just, you know, probably 10 of them right now are, I am working on actively. They are in the pipeline. I'm recording stuff. I'm editing. I'm mixing. And another 40 that just, I, I just... Just haven't had time to get to. And these are, they're probably half things that are brand new, brand spanking new within the last year and half things that go back as far as 15 years. Wow. Of things that I wrote for other groups that I wrote for 
other projects that, you know, Doom, Doomsie's a new one within the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Doomsie, by the way, my daughter named the song. That's amazing. I, I always thought it was called New Life, but she heard it the first time and she said, that song is called Mr. Doomsie. <laughs> she was five. So that's okay. Well, yeah, the opportunity to, to the time, the mm-hmm. freedom to be able to get to a lot of these things. It's been nice. A lot of things not nice about lockdowns and quarantines, but that has been nice. Well, and nice for us as well to have fresh music from you on a regular basis. You know, one of the newer releases that you have is Falling, which came out in February. And we're going to take a listen in a moment, but I want to just talk about it for a minute. It has a, it kind of a, a love for snowboarding. And I wonder, were you inspired by your extracurricular p- pursuits or or was it something else? This is, I mean, we've lived in Colorado for a bunch of years. So ski culture is definitely around. I remember the very strong feeling when I started working on this song. It came from the point of view of wanting to write something that I could perform at the base of a ski slope. So literally at a ski resort at some, they do big parties, they have live music because you know a lot of my songs are very heavy lyrically and they don't make for casual listening because I've played outdoors, I've done farmer's markets and things and people just walking by hearing one-tenth of the lyrics, the music doesn't always come across very well to them. Yeah, I so I wanted that. something that was just pretty much straight ahead, mm. pop rock, had a nice hook that was repetitive. I'm not sure it stayed that accessible because the lyrics are kind of involved once you get into it. But the hook of that song was was literally, what would I sing to snowboarders? Which is where the idea of, well, I, they're probably just as self-centered as everyone else in the world. They want to <laughs> hear songs about snowboarders. And, of course um, they do. So the idea, yeah. But then it all the story then quickly evolved from all these people barreling down the slopes what are they running from? And this idea that everybody has relationships, everybody has things that they are running from all the time. And that's how it very, just went right into what about that crazy date? What about that person? What makes them crazy? Is it, (laughs) is it the crazy person's fault or is it the person who leads the crazy person on? And, and yeah, Mm. so that's, that was the genesis of the song is Running away from things, running down the slopes is a metaphor for us running from life. Well, let's run to this song and listen to Falling. Here it is. All right. Hold up, hold up there past me. We don't have a license to play music on this podcast. So if you want to hear this interview uninterrupted, including all the fantastic music that's involved, go to Akaville.org and become a member. Thanks. And now we return you to our regularly scheduled interview. That was so much fun. I like the like rock beat and the the way you describe it. It really fits fits in with the song itself. So yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And another one that was another birth in the garage song. Just playing around on the gear in the garage. Started drumming and went. That sounds cool. Ooh, I could use that. Awesome. I think maybe you need to start hanging out in the garage more. I think that's what the answer is. So looking forward. I wonder if, you know, what's coming up next? What do you have on the docket or in your plans for the next couple months? Man, I wish I knew. I think a lot of us are waiting to see what happens, waiting for things to open again. I co-direct an acapella summer camp in Colorado, and we are about to announce the dates for that. Didn't happen at all last year. We didn't know if it was going to happen this year. It looks like it's probably going to happen this year. So we're 
going to get ready to plan that. More recording? More releases? Plenty more recording. Yeah. I mean, I have it scheduled that if things go well, I'm releasing a song every week. Wow. And hopefully that keeps going well because it's a lot of work. Right now I have a lot of time. There you go. So it's going well. I don't know. I don't know where the entertainment industry is going. I don't know where live music and Mm -hmm. live performing is going. The part of the inspiration for us to move had to do with getting a place that had a large space that I could convert to a filming studio so I could create music videos. But but the other side of that is also creating promotional materials Yes. to be able to... What I do is it's really tough to explain to people who haven't experienced it. For people who have seen it, they know exactly what it is and they understand. But I, I really like the performing arts center kind of shows, mm. the more the theater shows. And those kinds of promoters have to see what you do in action. And we've been a large family in a small home, even in the garage when there was time for me to, it was space for me to set up and, and work. It was still barely enough space for me to work, just packed with storage and stuff. And so to be able to set up a place where I can film all the time, have things set up, where I can record all the time, because the long term is I have a concert program Mm. that I don't get to do very many concerts with. And so that's really trying to figure out a way to get that kind of promotional material and hoping that performing venues open up in a way that they'll actually be hosting those kinds of events. Well, we are so thrilled with everything that you have going on that you took some time out of your schedule to speak with us. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. As we say goodbye to Mr. Tim, we'll be hearing one more tune called Are You Gonna? Before we say goodbye, I just wonder if you could give a little bit of background on this last tune. Yeah, this one was the answer. Being a musician, I get certain questions all the time. One of them is, does your wife play the piano? Because for some reason, people assume she must be an accompanist and accompanies me. Right. And and she does casually play the piano, but that's not... But also people will ask me, oh, you must write love songs for your wife all the time. Mm. And I had for years to very guiltily say, ah, no, actually I don't. That's not... I consider every song that I write for my wife. But when it's a song about a mad scientist strapping a cat to a rocket, that's not most people's view of romance. Fair enough. (laughs) But this song very much was me mulling over what would I write? What, What is a song that is actually about my wife and about my kids and about the family? And so this song is that. It's for and about my wife. Well, I can't think of a better way for us to end our time together. Thank you again. And here is Mr. Tim with Are You Gonna? Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for listening to this week's The Pulse, only on Acaville Radio. Remember, Acaville Radio is your home for the best in acapella news, music, and video. Only at acaville.org.